The Eco Right Speaks podcast is your conservative home for weekly climate news, interviews, points of view, climate heroes, jesters, and so much more. We'll share the stories of people leading in their local communities and around the country. Welcome to the Eco Right Speaks podcast. It's brought to you by RepublicEN.org. Hello, and welcome to the Eco Right Speaks, a podcast of RepublicEN.org. I'm Chelsea Henderson, Director of Editorial Content for Republic EN, and I know that last week I told you that you would be hearing from the American Water Security Project for Episode 8, but this is my podcast and I get to change the schedule if I want. There is big news in the carbon dividend world, and I wanted to take a chance to showcase two of the young leaders on that front, Kira O'Brien and Alex Posner. Kara, a recent graduate of Harvard University and an Alaska native, served multiple leadership roles for the Harvard Republican Club, including as its president. She has already co-founded not one, but two organizations, Students for Carbon Dividends, along with her Yale pal Alex, and Young Conservatives for Carbon Dividends, where she currently serves as founding president. She's also a Public Voices Fellow of the Op-Ed Project and the Yale Program and Climate Change Communication. Alex Posner is a graduate of Yale, and he was the catalyst behind the creation of Students for Carbon Dividends, where he still serves as founding president. S4CD was the first bipartisan, student-led, nationally-focused coalition ever united around the issue of climate change. He has exciting news that I can't wait for you to hear. We will turn to my conversation with Kira and Alex momentarily, but first... What is stopping you right now from glancing down at your Apple podcast app and clicking a quick five-star review? It's that easy. Do you have an extra 30 seconds? Write up a one or two line review. And if it's glowing, our producer, Price Atkinson, who is literally a sports broadcaster in his free time and has an amazing radio voice, will read it on the air. Who knows? Maybe we can even talk him into recording your outgoing voicemail message if we like your review that much. Welcome back, listeners. As promised, I'm joined in conversation today with Kira O'Brien, who's a founding president at Young Conservatives for Carbon Dividends. Hi, Kira. Thank you so much for joining the show. Hi, thanks for having me on today. So one thing I was wondering is, are you home in Alaska or are you in D.C. or somewhere else? Uh, Yeah, I'm not home in Alaska anymore. I was at the beginning of the pandemic, but now I'm back in D.C. Oh, great. So that must have been quite the end of your college uh, semester. So for our listeners, I already told you, Kira is a recent graduate of Harvard University, but things probably ended a little more abruptly than you were expecting. Yeah, definitely. Not the senior spring I had pictured. So did they actually find a way to do a commencement ceremony or was it just goodbye? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we had we had it was like a YouTube live kind of thing. Um, so definitely not a traditional commencement, but it was something. Yeah, my son's graduation was on YouTube live as well. And the mm-hmm. nice part was I felt like we could sort of talk during the boring parts, but I yeah. think for him, he missed being there with his friends. So yeah, definitely. well, I just love talking to Kira because in this industry, I don't feel like there are a lot of women. There tend to be more men. Yes. And at one point I was thinking in my mind, oh, Kara is the next generation of leadership. And then I was like, no, she's the current generation of leadership because of everything that you have done. So as I already told our listeners, while she was in college, Kira founded 
co-founded with her pal, Alex Posner, Students for Carbon Dividends. And then that wasn't enough to do one um, organization. So she then founded Young Conservatives for Climate Dividends. What was it about this issue that initially attracted you? So I was born and raised in Ketchikan, Alaska. Um, and Alaska has what's called the Permanent Fund Dividend, which gives residents checks um, based on oil revenue every single year. Um, so I was very familiar with the concept of a dividend, but also growing up in Alaska, I was concerned about climate change. Um, so this policy that I support, the Carbon Dividends Plan, um, basically meshes the two uh, ideas well. That's great. So back when you were originally putting together Students for Carbon Dividends, you was it your idea or you and Alex jointly, or how did that process unfold? No, it was Alex's idea. He came to me um, basically a cold email and said, I have this great idea for uh, a youth organization supporting this plan. I think you'll really like it. Um, and after a few emails back and forth, I watched the TED Talk uh, that Ted Halstad has and read a couple white papers on it and was basically sold from minute one. That's fantastic. And so would you say that Young Conservatives for Carbon Dividends is the sort of you've graduated from Students for Carbon Dividends, you're no longer a student, so then you move on? Is that how you're envisioning, like what, define young for me, I guess. Um, so by young, we mean anybody under the age of 40. Uh, it's right. a very uh, open definition. I wouldn't say so much graduating from s for cd to YCCD, uh, but more building off the ideas um, and the things that we learned through s for cd um, so one thing that we did learn was that Republicans tend to be weaker on this issue. Um, they need a little bit more uh, guidance and help to get to understanding um, why this is a good policy for Republicans. Um, so this new organization allows me to message a little more directly um, to young conservatives, um, young Republicans, uh, generally center-right, uh, right-of-center folks. So are you a member-based organization then? You're trying, or do you work with other groups the way Students for Carbon Dividends has the college groups that belong? How, you know, what does your base look like? How are you getting that message out there? Um, so we work with individuals rather than student groups. Um, so it's a little bit of a different model than s for cd um, And we operate like s for cd across the country, but it's not so much tied to college campuses. Um, so anything from someone who's active in their county Republican Party uh, to someone who's active in leadership on their college campus is welcome to join us. So in these days where you can't really go around the country and um, preach your gospel, how do you reach these folks to convince them to join? So luckily, uh, with S4CD, we had been using Zoom just for meeting purposes um, since we're on campuses across the country for about two years. Um, so this adaptation to digital life is actually not so much of a stretch for young people. Um, <laughs> it's obviously been a little bit different, um, but I mean, we're doing everything from webinars to YouTube lives, uh, to Instagram lives, etc. Yeah, that is the wave of the future, I think. Um, definitely was a little bit of a shock for me. I've worked from home now f since 2013. But I wasn't used to all the Zooms, and so it was suddenly, oh, I actually have to get up and look nice <laughs> for my colleagues. Yeah. I felt like in the beginning there were a lot of Zooms and then it kind of faded off, and now it seems to be picking um, back up some steam again. Um, so how, what is your, how large is your group now? What is the membership base looking like in terms of size? Um, I don't have an exact number for you off the top of my head, mm -hmm. um, but we've been working with definitely over 100 folks um, 
more in-depth. Um, we've had tangential people who are involved um, in greater numbers, but probably I would say a solid base of like 100-ish. And so are you then equipping these members to go talk to their members of Congress? Are you helping them so they can take that next step to lobbying Congress? Um, so right now, we're, since we don't have a bill introduced yet, we are working on the education aspect of things. Mm-hmm. We're getting people up to speed on the policy and why they should support it. We're building the intellectual backbone for uh, the case for carbon dividends. Um, and then we are eventually going to be organizing people to meet with their representatives. Yes. That's great. Have you met um, former secretaries of state Baker and Schultz yet, who I know are the godfathers of this plan? I have not yet, uh, but hope to someday soon. How, when you, so you went, when you went back to Alaska, when COVID first happened, I mean, well, one, that must have been kind of, I wouldn't want to say scary. Maybe, maybe it was scary, but you're flying. I mean, there's no way, like I can take my son to Texas in the car, but you can't drive, right? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So how long did you go home? How long were you home before you came back to D.C.? I guess I was home for a few months. Um, it was definitely the longest stretch I'd been home in a while. Um, and it was it was very interesting, especially because uh, I'm from an island community. Uh, so there there are definitely, there's a greater ability to do testing and tracing um, on an island because you have control over who's able to come in and out. Um, but it was still uh, very intimidating, I guess I would say, to go home. Don't you have to cross the bridge to nowhere to get to your house? (laughs) So there is no bridge to nowhere. Um, (laughs) There's a a very nice ferry boat. um, Oh, so the the bridge never actually got built. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, I think that surprises a lot of people, but the bridge was never actually built. (laughs) Um, You know, back a long time ago, I did work with some of the taxpayer groups on other issues and I remember them talking about the bridge to nowhere being a boondoggle and that it was only ever a thing because Alaska had a strong delegation but when you know somebody who lives in that space and you think it was for real people and for Mm -hmm. real transit um, it sort of takes it from the abstract more into something real so Mm -hmm. um, that's really interesting um yeah, I mean, the contact tracing, I think, is um, something that just makes us all feel a little more comfortable that you can, it's one thing that you can control, I guess, mm-hmm. in all of this. But um, I was going to say, so in Alaska, when you're talking to people about climate change, what kind of reception are you getting? I mean, as, as always, it depends who you're speaking with. I think uh, the people that I talk to most, young people, are right there with me. They see what's going on. They know the science. Um and, and they're very concerned about preserving our land. Um, climate change is an issue in Alaska that hits especially close to home due to our dependence on the land. Um, you, it's a very uh, subsistence-based lifestyle. We, we catch a lot of our food with fishing. Um, some people hunt. It, it's, and everybody's outdoors all the time. Um, my whole childhood was hiking, camping, stuff like that. That, which sounds delightful, by the way. <laughs> well, so that's interesting. And I, what you were saying earlier about understanding how the dividend work works because you get one, mm-hmm. I feel like that is really puts you at an advantage when you're trying to describe the benefits to a carbon dividend. Yes, absolutely. I mean, my dividend 
um, from the Alaska Permanent Fund paid for the majority of my college just because my parents had saved it for my entire life. Um, and that, So everyone gets it. When you're born, it, you don't have to wait until you're 18. If you're the state of Alaska, um, either you were born there or you're a naturalized resident and that you live there, I think it's two years, um, you're eligible for the dividend, yes. Wow. So, well, Kara, it has been really delightful to just catch up a little bit with you today. And I know I'm going to continue to see great things out of you in the years to come. And I'm just honored to get to know you and so happy that you're in this um, in this fight, that we're all on the same side trying to get this price on carbon. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on today. It was great to catch up. We're energy optimists and climate realists. Stand with us at republicen.org. Now back to this week's episode. Listeners, as I promised you, it is Carbon Dividends Day, and I'm super psyched to be joined by our dear friend, Alex Posner. He is the co, uh, co-founding president or founding president. What do you prefer? Your founding president, right? Uh, the founding president, but there were other founders. Got it. Of Students for Carbon Dividends, our allies in the trenches, and really the next, I keep saying the next generation of leaders, but you're not next generation of leaders, you're leading now. And it's so great to have you guys out there doing the good work, spreading the word that young people, especially young conservatives, care about climate change. So you have some exciting news. I just want you to jump right in and share with our listeners what's going on in your world. Of course. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for the kind introduction. I'm always glad to be with our, our good friends here at Republican. Uh, and yeah, I will. I realize this is Carbon Dividends Day, but uh, I will argue that every day should be Carbon Dividends Day. You are so uh, right. <laughs> at least, at least until we, you know, we we pass it and and uh, have a good solution and can focus on the next great things we can accomplish as a country, um, and as a world. So uh, yes, the exciting news, uh, hot off the press, so to speak, uh, is that yesterday we unveiled the student government leader statement on carbon dividends, uh, the largest statement of student body presidents uh, in U.S. history. So this congratulations, includes, first of yes. all, let me just pause to say that is really quite an accomplishment. And Alex says yesterday on airtime, this will have been July. 29th, I said the statement came out. So, um, but still lots of cheerleading to be done for it. Yes. Uh, yes. Very true. And yeah, as with many things, when we started out, we didn't quite know where this adventure would take us or what kind of response or feedback we would get. But we were really heartened by the enthusiasm from student leaders across the country and across the political spectrum uh, for the importance of leading on climate change and with the carbon dividend solution. So what does this statement say, in more or less? Yeah, so the statement builds off of the economist statement on carbon dividends, which was unveiled uh, early last year, January, February, 2019. Uh, so in that statement, uh, economic, uh, economists, top economists, right, economic leaders from across the U.S. joined together uh, to advance the, the, the carbon dividends framework, the carbon dividends concept. And didn't uh, that statement have more than 3,000 signers or something really crazy? Yeah, uh, a pretty uh, impressive number, 3,000, more than 3,500, similarly from all 50 states, uh, the largest uh, public declaration in the history of economics. 
And included within that was uh, 27 Nobel Prize winners, wow. which is the largest number to endorse any policy on any topic uh, ever. So uh, not too shabby, to say the least. Not too shabby. So first you got The Economist, and then you went after student leaders. Yeah, so the, uh, as, with, yeah, as with many projects, this began with a conversation along the lines of, wouldn't it be cool if... Uh, and we were thinking about the economist statement and realizing that so many of the signees are professors on our campuses where we do most of our work, uh, uh, economics professors at campuses across the country. So looking at, at, the, at that statement and the composition of it, we thought there would be a natural campus tag team here on climate. Our professors stepped forward in the mightiest roar in the history of the economics profession, to point the way forward on this uh, smart climate solution that's good for the economy and good for the environment, something all sides can rally around. They pointed the way, so wouldn't it be great if student leaders uh, grabbed the torch and carried it forward? Well, right, because your group is called Students for Carbon Dividends, not Economists for Carbon Dividends. Right, 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 exactly. And, and economists do uh, have a lot of important insights and do a lot of research that uh, informs uh, good policy making and informs the pursuit of, of prosperity. Uh, but ultimately, good ideas need good advocates. For and sure. uh, econ yeah, economists laid out the policy wisdom uh, and where we are fitting in not only with this statement, but with the work we do across Students for Carbon Dividends uh, is bringing youth leaders into the conversation across the political spectrum, Republicans and Democrats alike, uh, to advocate for this uh, consensus market-based approach. So in accumulating these signatures for your statement, did you grow Students for Carbon Dividends membership? Is it a membership-based organization or how do people affiliate with you? Yeah, uh, it's a good question and honestly something we are still working out, sort of the structure of, of this network, right? It is a statement, but but hopefully more than that is it, it is a network of leaders who are committed to this issue. Uh, and something we heard in uh, putting it together is a constant expression of interest in doing more partnerships across campuses uh, around, around climate and carbon dividends. So uh, a lot of interest there, and we're, we're still figuring out how best to harness it. Well, you know, if some of those folks want to join Bob Inglis, our executive director for a Zoom, we could totally put that together and make this a a bigger conversation. I think Bob would love to do that. And we would love to host something like that or co-host with you. We would love that. So we'll be in touch. Great. So you got signers from all 50 states. Yes. And from colleges that span the political spectrum. And I know listeners, you're probably not thinking, oh, colleges have a political identity, but they do in a way, right? Some campuses kind of based on the professorship are lean a little bit more liberal and some are more conservative, but that uh, ideology didn't really stand in the way, it sounds like, of you getting a number of signers. Yes. Uh, that, that, yeah, that, that, that was our experience. And uh, I mean, we had a lot of conversations, right, to, to pull this all together. Uh, a lot of phone calls, uh, a lot of email uh, exchanges, and we, yeah, we were talking to student leaders from across the political spectrum with a whole range of views on the world and including um, on some questions related to climate. 
But we found, importantly, this sort of bipartisan sweet spot uh, in the form of the uh, carbon dividends uh, strategy. And I think that that's really important to note because we don't all have to agree 100% on everything about climate change, how much it's human caused, how long it's been going on, whether it makes hurricanes worse, all the things that I feel like lawmakers like to debate and that people, pundits like to debate too. You can just say this solution, which impacts climate change, is also just good for America. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Agreeing on everything should not be a precondition for agreeing on something, especially when, in this case, the something is very effective, very powerful, um, and uh, really the expert-backed approach on how we can best solve this challenge. So for the the listener who has no idea what a um, carbon dividend yes. plan is, take a moment to just describe in very basic, I mean, I know once Congress got to it and started making it into a bill and then the agency started trying to implement, it could take a lot of different shapes, but like kind of the gist of what a carbon dividend plan is. So simple, uh, sort of simply put, uh, the carbon dividends plan would charge companies a fee for their emissions and return the money raised to the American people. Which would be great. And we heard from Kira, her experience with the Alaska Permanent Fund, um, that as an Alaskan resident, she um, was eligible for a check annually since the time she was born. And then that helped subsidize her college education, which is great. So you think about American families, especially in these economic times, getting a dividend check could be a very welcome thing. Yeah, I think it's an idea with strong bipartisan appeal and not just in theory, but in practice. I mean, as we've seen uh, in Alaska uh, and uh, th- that the theory and practice applies also to the to the core climate solution mechanism, which is a price on carbon. Right. So in the uh, a solution we bring up often uh, as a as an example is how the U.S. responded to the acid rain crisis right in the this was early 1990s where with republican leadership hw bush was president at the time a market-based solution pollution pricing uh and bipartisan cooperation we were able to solve the problem uh very effectively and the uh, in that case we the the solution passed right putting a, a price on uh sulfur sulfur dioxide emissions actually achieved its goals uh, ahead of schedule and under budget, it's which is sort really of the dream of any initiative. Yeah, nothing happens on time or ahead of time or under budget these days. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, I remember I'm from Maine, so I remember at, when acid rain was a big problem when I was, you know, younger than you. And I will just note that the Clean Air Act amendments of 1990, which included the acid rain program, were enacted before you were born. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that we can't look to the past to find sam- uh, examples for great solutions. And that was a time when we had strong bipartisanship and cooperation to tackle a problem that was facing our country. And it would be great to see our lawmakers be able to put their partisan differences aside to do that again with climate change, for sure. We've done it before and we can do it again. Absolutely. Well, I was going to say, too, when you were talking about that, citing that example, that the other big example that we like to use is the Montreal Protocol. 
and that being the only international or, or it's it's not the only international environmental treaty, but it's the most successful, I guess is what I would say. And um, just the cooperation that went behind getting that done and and identifying a problem and being able to arrive at that solution is really powerful and something that, again, we don't often see today's lawmakers trying a point that they're trying to reach, which is too bad. Yeah, agreed. I think I think that's a, an, another really important uh, historical example, and it, and in particular, I think how President Reagan spoke about the nature of the problem. He said, "We don't know precisely how bad it's going to be, but the responsible thing to do is to take out an insurance policy." Yep. And the same thing applies here. I mean, we know we understand the greenhouse gas effect, but we don't know precisely how bad it's going to be, and we shouldn't be rolling these, these dice. That's sort of a, a dangerous. Thing to do. The, the responsible approach is to take out an insurance policy, and that's just what something like carbon dividends offers. Well, and, and that insurance policy, right, that's what we get insurance because we are conservative. And I don't mean ideologically conservative, right? But you have life insurance to protect your family if something happens. You have insurance on your home so that if something happens to your house, we have car insurance. You know, it doesn't mean that you think you're going to get in a car accident. You're just preparing for the future. And so I think we need to kind of get that way of thinking to be a little more prevalent, especially in the halls of Congress, that we need this insurance policy. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't hurt to be prepared. As we saw with COVID, you don't need to wait until you're in the middle of the worst case situation before you start taking action. Absolutely. Yeah. I, and I think, you know, while climate change and COVID are, are different in many ways, there is nonetheless a, a message and a warning in our current uh, COVID moment, um, which is that if we don't invest in and prepare for the future, we could uh, face disruptive consequences. Uh, I have been likening it to the wearing of a mask, right? We wear a mask to protect others and we can take climate action now to protect your generation, which is going to inherit the, is already inheriting the environmental deficit and the budget deficit that this country is running up. Yes. Um, so I will also just note for some of our listeners, we do talk about all these different policies on this podcast, and I have plans to speak with those who don't embrace the approach that Alex and and Republic EN support, which is this price on carbon, just because I think it's interesting to hear from different voices. But we do differ a little bit from you all in that we would see this price on carbon, those revenues being used to offset some sort of tax cut, which still puts money back into Americans' pockets just in a more um, indirect way. But I tell you, like, we wouldn't split hairs <laughs> if we can get a price on carbon and it's a check coming to you, me, all taxpaying Americans. I think that would be just fine as well. Yes, agreed. I, I, yeah, and, and I think there's a, a lot of opportunity for uh, broad-based coalitions around this idea. And uh, in, whatever form it, in whatever form it ultimately takes, um, I think the, this general approach uh, offers the most promising basis for a bipartisan breakthrough. So what happens next with this statement? Yes. So uh, for, first, uh, I think we're anticipating some more sign-ons, in fact, that has already been happening. And 
uh, more conversations with uh, student leaders across the country. So if someone is listening to this podcast and they want to be a signer, what do they do? They can head to our website, uh, s4cd.org, uh, and uh, right on the page about the, the, the statement, which is listed right at the top, there should be a button that says add your name. And you can add your name whether you are a student government leader, uh, a student leader in, in another sense, perhaps leading a campus organization, or if you're just uh, a, a student or a member of, of the public. All are options. So you don't have to be your student body president at your college to sign on to this letter? Uh, correct, yes. We feature in the statement and the sort of the history-making nature of it are the signees who are in student government or leading student government, but uh, all are welcome to add their voices and support. So my son, who will be a college student in two weeks, can add his name. Indeed. We would love that. We'd all be right. honored. <laughs> yes. I and college on is one of life's great experiences, and he's <laughs> about to have it. Yeah, he actually is is lucky in the sense that his campus is open for freshmen only. So they want to create that experience for the newcomers and they will hopefully make it until Thanksgiving before being sent home. But obviously, there's still that prospect. Um, he's going to school in Texas. So a little bit in the center of COVID action right now unlikely that they'll make it all the way till Thanksgiving without having some sort of mandatory closures, but we'll have our fingers crossed. And I will definitely steer him toward your website. He's super passionate about climate change and um, is already looking at how he's going to register to vote in Texas. <laughs> so, <laughs> Good. Yeah, no, our, I, I, I cross the board. I think our generation is stepping up to the plate and leaning in on the political process and policy conversations and it gives me uh, great hope for the future. Well, Alex, I feel better as I don't really near retirement age. I still have many years to go. But as I dream about it, just knowing what's coming up behind me and my generation makes it so much better. And I take great comfort in the work that you all do. And I thank you so much for your efforts and your, your brain and everything that you do, the energy that you put into this work. Well, thank you. We draw great inspiration um, from those who have come before us and paved the path, uh, Republican and chief, chief among them. So uh, always, always uh, glad to have a chance to connect and looking forward to the partnerships, adventures and important work yet to come. Well, thank you so much for joining. And remember, listeners, if you are a student and you want to join this statement, head over to www.sfcd.org to add your name to the statement. Yes, or S, S4CD. S4. Oh, sorry. What did I say? Did I say F as instead of four? Sorry. Yeah, you know, we were trying to be somewhat trendy <laughs> and I was saying do a number instead of a letter. So, may, may, you know, maybe uh, we should switch back. But S4CD.org. And it will be in our notes, which we include in a blog post on the day that the episode airs. So, again, thank you so much for your time, Alex, and your efforts. Thank you, Chelsea. Much appreciated. And now, our executive director, Bob Inglis, with an idea worth sharing. You know, some people see a contest between faith and science, see them as opposed. I can understand that, but that's, that's not my view. As I see it, us and God and science is sort of like my wife and I watching one of our five kids start to walk. 
It's a big celebration. You take pictures of it, you film it. Come on, you can take another step. That's us and God and science. He's telling us, come on, I'll show you how. I'll show you how I did it. And you can stop the replication of cancer. Come on, I'll show you. So it's not a contest between faith and science. Faith is actually affirmed by science. Because we know from Romans chapter 1 that Paul says that what may be known about God is clear from the creation itself. Maybe it's a thought worth sharing. So Price, I'm just really thrilled that the Carbon Dividend World has people like Alex and Kira to lead the charge and to get that momentum going toward climate action someday. The exciting thing is, and, and we've praised, you know, our friends at SC4D, um, you know, so many times before, um, S4CD, excuse me, um, just because they're doers. And that's the thing about uh, Alex and his entire team at S4CD is they do things. They're not about platitudes. They don't just, you know, talk a talk and, you know, try and be something they're not. Um they they work you know they they're they're a you know grassroots oriented like we are and so seeing them going out there and putting together literally a statement um this big of you know student body presidents from every state across the country including some major conservative oriented universities you know like a byu um you know, like a, a Hillsdale, like a, a, a Baylor, um, Rice, um, even schools that have, you know, uh, you know that that certainly lean, you know, to the right, like a you know a Clemson University or you know maybe an East Tennessee State. Uh, I mean, they're just you know, Vanderbilt. I mean, the list goes down the line of these schools that I mean, you just go. It's a who's who. Uh, on this list right, of schools. And I, and I think that it just shows that, and Alex said it in his interview, there is unanim- near unanimity with his generation on the dangers posed by climate change and the need to do something. And so, you know, whether you're a student and students for carbon dividends is where you belong, or maybe you've graduated and you're under 40, I think Kara said the benchmark is for YCCD. There's a place for you, and there's a place where you can go if the, the fee and dividend option is the policy that you like. And, you know, it's not exactly what we advocate for, but as I said to Alex, we're kind of at the we'll take anything point. So, um, you know, I, I always felt like and certainly I'm not speaking for Bob Inglis and we are a 501c3, so we don't lobby. But if we couldn't get that revenue neutral border adjustable carbon tax, then um, that uses the revenue to offset some sort of tax cut, the next best thing is to get a check in your pocket, right? So um, I think that they're really on the right track. It's a market-based solution. And to see so many people from that generation really ready to do the heavy lifting, it just makes me feel like maybe I can retire. Price, you want to retire? <laughs> you name the beach. Pick the beach. <laughs> yeah, too, I don't want to go to any beaches right now that will have a lot of people, though. That's my fear. Yeah, <laughs> But no. someday I want to go to the beach again. <laughs> Yeah, and, you know, the other thing this underscores, and we say it all the time, but, you know, in talking with, with folks, you know, setting up events, you know, political, I mean, polling shows, 
that regardless of political persuasion, when you're talking about young folks, you know, uh, college students, young professionals, that they care about green space, they care about clean air, they care about the environment. And it's overwhelming, um, you know, when you talk about this demographic of of folks. And you see this right here in all these schools and these student body presidents and just the wide swath of them uh, that signed up to make this statement uh, on behalf of S4CD. Um, It's just indicative of of what we preach and what we say all the time, you know, not just at Republican, but the the data bears it out with, you know, different pollsters that put together these type of numbers. Yeah, for sure. And I think that it's only a matter of time before we see that groundswell start to tip over into Congress and they will eventually have to act. And I can't wait for that day. I am with you. Um, I am excited for this day because um, I want to give a shout out real quick uh, before we go any further, Chelsea, to a sampling of a few new members that that signed up. We had a uh, you know everybody's zooming these days, right? Everybody's uh, you know going the virtual route, or I should say, most people are going the virtual route. But I uh, had several events, a couple events this past week, and you know really excited to connect with the people that we did. But some of the ones that signed up, shout out real quick to Patrick J from Palos Verdes, California, Elliot P, San Francisco. JL, New York, Peter D, Rock Hill, South Carolina, about 90 miles from where I sit and record right now. Elise M from Magnolia, Texas. Jonia B from Salt Lake City, Utah. So appreciate uh, not just those that we just uh, reeled off, uh, but anybody and everybody that's listening right now that has since signed up uh, and is standing with us at Republican.org. Um, you know, if you have not signed up to stand with us, we need you to stand with us. So just go to republicen.org and go to act and you can do it. It takes merely seconds to do it, Chels. You know what else we need, Price? (laughs) We need 100 five-star reviews. Where are my people? I said this was my dream. I need my dream to come true. Come on, there's not a lot right now out there that is thrilling me and I just need that to happen. I need a little light in my life. <laughs> well, let me read one review that came in. Um, a couple did, but I want to read this one in particular since we last recorded. Um, this one states uh, a great bridge and I'm going to read the whole thing. If you care about climate change and not political parties, this could be for you. I find this podcast to be a bridge for those on different political sides. We can both care about climate change. We can both want to leave a better world to future generations. Join up. Let's do something good together. I was skeptical at first, at the first week or two, but I am no longer. This podcast, from the conservative perspective, is trying to reach out. Let's not miss this opportunity. Keep up the good work. I enjoy listening and learning. Sometimes I am challenged, but it helps me to think and learn more awesome review and if you sign up or not sign up but if you uh, log on to apple podcasts and uh when you give us a couple stars whatever stars you'd like to give us hopefully five you can just write a couple comments you don't have to write a paragraph like this person did appreciate when people do um but anything you want to share about the podcast likes dislikes things you want to hear more of whatever it is uh you can let us know in the review but that uh that one hit the mark for me let us know the likes we want to know the likes here's the thing i have a theory about reviews that most people only write reviews like Yelp reviews when they're angry. Yep. And 
it feels good to give a review, to give credit where credit is due when you like something. So if it isn't us, if it is your favorite restaurant that quickly converted to being able to provide curbside takeout or something, let people know you appreciate them. Let them know they're doing a good job. We all need to hear a little more positivity right now. Especially. Let me, we're not in church, but I want to pretend for a second, give you an amen, amen, because I, you cannot, I can't second that enough. In a world right now and just the current situation, just a lot of negativity. It's easy to be down. It's easy to be out sometimes, but you know, lift somebody up. Tell them. Tell them. Just share. Share the positivity with a friend, a neighbor. Um, pick up the phone. <laughs> give them a FaceTime call. Whatever it is. But in this case, certainly, um, you know, just let us know something positive. Like you said, it's e- It's always easy to complain and get mad and say why you don't like something or didn't do this or that. But um, you know, the chance to to spread some positivity, not just for us, but just in the world right now, it will make everything a better place to live. Chels. But I know that people love this podcast, and I have to say I'm so happy with the uh, types of feedback that we have been getting and with the fact that people want to be on it. It's fantastic. And um, to that point, Price, are you ready to roll the drum on who our guest week is? Hold on one second. Go for it. That your drum roll? That's the best I could do with what I had at my fingertips, literally off the cuff. Okay, so I promised a few weeks ago that we were lining up someone famous, and it just took a little time to make it happen because, you know, famous people have busier schedules. Uh, next Tuesday, do not miss EcoRight Speaks. Tune in to hear my conversation with former Florida Congressman Carlos Curbelo. He is a giant In my view, he was the first Republican since Bob, Mm -hmm. executive director, Bob Inglis, in 2010. Carlos was the first to introduce a carbon tax bill, which he did in 2018. And so to think that eight years went by between when Bob dropped his bill and when the Market Choice Act came out, it took somebody with great courage to come forward with a proposal like that. And boy, we could use a bill like that today. And again, it was not our preferred approach. You know, in in his version of the bill, the carbon tax was used to to modernize our nation's infrastructure, something that is really needed and something that would put people back to work at a time when our economy is really struggling. So uh, we have a great conversation, and I just can't wait to share that with our listeners. It's going to be a two-parter is the way we're going to do it next week. So, we'll, I mean, it'll be all in in one episode, um, but we'll kind of break it up, break up the conversation while lengthy. Um, it is outstanding and cannot wait to uh, to bring that to our listeners next week because this is a, uh, this is a heavy hitter. And um, I know somebody that we all at Republican.org and uh, big fans, let's just say that, of Carlos Curbelo. Um, certainly uh, me personally, especially – you know, as you articulated, you know, after Bob laying out a carbon tax bill, first one, and we certainly know the unfortunate fates they met, but standing up and, and showing the leadership in doing what's right, especially when it comes to our issue of climate change, um, it's just so refreshing to see because in nowadays you just don't see that very often. It, it issue, Chels. So 
we will have that for you next week. But in the meantime, Chelsea, great job this week. Uh, you know, Kier O'Brien and Alex Posner, great conversations. And, you know, excited to do this again with you next week, Chelsea. Absolutely. Have a great weekend, Price, and you know where to find me on the flip side. You got it. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Eco Right Speaks podcast, brought to you by the team at RepublicEN.org. Make sure to visit RepublicEN.org to learn more and find out how you can be a local eco-right leader.